A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Square Ball Podcast. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. Dan here from The Square Ball, Michael's here from The Square Ball, and Phil Hay from The Athletic, who will answer for his crimes momentarily. <laughs> First thing to say is that the show is brought to you, powered by West Yorkshire Electrical. That's yeah. electrical noise. Thank you very much, Michael, for that demonstration. I wasn't aware of what that might be. I don't, it was good acting, but I'm not getting a shock. No. To be clear. Good, I'm glad. Uh, nor will you, with the work that West Yorkshire Electrical do, great bunch of lads. Correct. And uh, they work with anything with wires in it. Fully accredited, which I think is very, very important these days. Mm-hmm. You don't want a, a fully unaccredited electrician, do you? Nope. Not, not even partially unaccredited. No. Get get all the credits and the accreditations. They will do CCTV. They will do light installation. They will do EV chargers. They will do battery storage. They will do... Solar panels. Solar panels. And your roof the one on your, at the same time. And they've got roofers now, which is... Uh, what they want us to let you know. They've got roofers who will do your roof regardless whether you're in solar panels done or not. So it's West Yorkshire Electrical and roofers. Is the, how exciting is that? What a development. But that's not their website. It's, no, it's not. It's wyelectrical.co.uk for details. And you can find them on socials as well. Um, right then, Phil. You Are, they, are these you, lifetime crimes or merely last night? Well, if this turns into a 10 episode, then maybe it could be lifetime <laughs> crimes. But let's, let's look back with sheepish eyes at, at last night when... Uh, what we're talking about is anybody who follows you on Twitter will know you have a habit sometimes of of putting your foot in it when of it comes jin- to jinxing. Yeah, yes. of jinxing of jinxing things. I think I think the key thing with this one is the time between tweet one and what happened down at Ipswich, which must have been forty five seconds, probably most exciting forty five seconds of your life. Um, yeah, mm. probably was. Yeah, twenty one forty seven is the timestamp last night when you said, "Well, that's not a bad night." And then Ipswich went and scored and made it 4-3. Still, still wasn't a bad night, you know. Do you know what? It wasn't, was it? It was no. all right. I mean, you, that, in, the, in the run-up to this, we said it's about a slam dunk, a home win as you're going to get the um, the Ipswich-Rotherham game. Uh, but, but interestingly, it wasn't, it wasn't was it? it? No. Rotherham, I think, had the um, the run of them for the second half. So maybe the, the pressure is getting to them a little bit. Who knows? Well, Michael and I were... And first of all, yeah, apologies for that. That's um, even by my standards. <laughs> worst, worst, of the, worst of the worst. But Michael and I were talking before we started recording and we were saying it's it's not a great sign, is it, to have conceded three times at home to Rotherham um, and to have sneaked it like that, although it is still a, a really good result at the stage of the season where it's kind of the results that, that count. But we've written this morning, or I've written this morning, about the defence at Leeds and how, actually, although that, like, there's been a lot of attention on Farker's attack um, since the start of the season, as there would be because it's been very good, defensively he's made them into a right old unit too. And I think it's quite 
quite easy to remember that when Rotherham came to Ellen Road, they hardly laid a glove on Leeds. And, and watching that last night, I was quite taken by the fact that Ipswich got into quite a bit of trouble in that game. Having seen like they had it sewed up at, at 3-1. But the, the more important result, I thought, was probably... Southampton at home to Hull because I did think that was a game that Southampton had a good chance of winning even though I do think Hull are a good side and I think Hull have got a decent shout at the top six and have got some really good players in that squad that is probably the more damaging result It shows I think both results potentially show that they can both be got at which is why I took from it last night and if there's a time of the season to have a wobble the run-in would be it for me if I had to pick you one so? for the opposition Yeah, yeah yeah. yeah, searing insight there for you. I think you said to me yesterday, if Leeds could just win every game from here, that would be ideal. But I'll go along with that. I mean, it's a week ago when I, I was suggesting we could catch Leicester if things fell. Well, Farker was almost hinting at that after Plymouth, I felt. You know, the, the idea that it could still be doable and it could still be possible. It was just that that discussion wasn't going to be able to go on for much longer unless Leicester started to falter slightly. And it's pushing it a little bit to say that Leicester have started to, to falter. They got beat at home to Middlesbrough, which obviously doesn't help them. But you would think that if it is going to, if there's going to be a big swing in this, and if we are going to get a proper title race, this will have to be the weekend. We are now odds on for promotion. Is that right? That's right. Do I need to start making some investments, <laughs> so to speak? Mitigating the risk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the Ipswich result last night, it, I don't know if it, if this is just me being optimistic, but it does remind me a little bit of, of a couple of weeks ago when Southampton were run pretty close by Huddersfield and you kind of go, all right, they, they have got the win there, but maybe it is indicative of problems around the corner. And since then they have lost a couple of games, haven't they? So maybe that's still to come for Ipswich. What we're basically doing is I think, well, if you, like, there's a there's a, a thread on Wacker, which I dive into all the time. You follow um, things on Twitter about the promotion it, we're just basically now straw clutching not straw clutching we're indul- indulging in wishful thinking mm. that's not to say that it's wrong I'm saying I'm not saying it's it's completely mindless wishful thinking it's rooted in reality no I don't, I don't think it is I mean when, when we started digging into the defensive numbers and they're really really impressive and it, it you know that old saying that defences when you titles attacks when you games off I think it was the, the other way around that it was put and and there's there's a bit of tr- it's not strictly true I mean there was the season when Norwich went up under Farker where they conceded 57 goals and somehow still won won the league but actually if you go through most seasons in the championship very few of the clubs who get promoted concede more than a goal a game and, and Leeds are a mile off conceding a goal a game you know down at 26 at the moment the same as Leicester but once you really get into the numbers you find that they, they have by quite a distance the best division uh, best defence in the division including Leicester and it's very 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 impressive and Yes, they've got a really strong squad and Farker has loads of resources, but it doesn't just happen on the basis that you've got good players. It happens from the structure of the team. And even in the season when Leeds went up under Bielsa, and I know that latterly there's a lot of criticism of Leeds defending. They were kind of regarded towards the end of his time as a team who couldn't defend. And I think if we're being brutally honest, they were a team who couldn't. You know, it was a lot of goals being conceded. But in that season when they were promoted, they were absolutely rock solid at the back. Really strong, really consistent, didn't give away many goals but didn't also crucially and this is the same with Farkas team didn't give away many big chances didn't give away many shots on target and I don't know I was thinking last night as this was all going on past few weeks it's felt a little bit like that meme you know the guy in the chip shop where there's a fight going on behind him and he's just fiddling on his phone in the front Farkas a little bit like that in the the sense that the, the stress certainly since the turn of the year hasn't seemed to be here you know it hasn't seemed to be on him and I don't know if that's about to change and I don't know if Leeds are going to hit one of those spells but it's almost been Leeds quietly getting on with what they're doing while, you know, things are happening elsewhere. 
It's interesting you say that because I was thinking in the car on the way in this morning, like, you know, what can we talk about in this show? Because we're in danger, I suppose, of in the same way that we were last year when it felt like the conversation, we were having the same conversation week after week after week, but in a negative way. We've kind of done the same sort of thing, but in a positive way this season. So, you know, how, how do we frame this, this chat that we have this morning? And I thought, actually, this is about Farker, isn't it? There's a lot of this is Probably about is, Farker yeah. and the way that, yeah, he's handled himself, the coolness with which he's done it. And I was thinking, actually, when, when the, the thought sort of landed with me, I thought, hasn't he done a really, really good job? Yeah, yeah. He's done an absolutely brilliant job, you know, today. There's, there's time for all this to go wrong and unravel. Yeah, of course there is, because it's Leeds United. We know what happens with Leeds United. Even, but even if it does unravel, it doesn't mean he's, he's no, done a bad job. No. Do you know what I mean? Well, but he, that's one of the thoughts I landed. Yeah, he's, he, even if we lose this in the end, all the evidence points to this trending, if you like, in the right direction, doesn't it? And promotion, I suppose, sooner rather than, than later. And I know that's a really, really dickheadish thing to say as a Leeds fan, but that's how it's felt, hasn't it? And I think we've, we've kind of been pushing that reality away all season because we're terrified of what Leeds can do to us. Can I give an alternative point of view? You can. That we're all currently thinking, right, this is fine now because we're winning games and I guess we're seeing Southampton. They can't, that run can't go on forever, we kept saying. Yeah. And sure enough, they've lost a couple of games. But can our run go on forever? Like, if you're talking about regressions to the mean, at some point we do have to start dropping some points no. ourselves. I thought I did, again, well, I did think I, that, yeah. I said to you last night, there's absolutely no way I would back Leeds to win the games, that all of the games that are left collectively because it just so rarely happens to the point of never happens in, in the championship. But I think I'm at the stage now where I would back them for individual games going into every single one, including Fridays against Leicester, which is not to say they will win it. And I do think that's just a 50-50. This um, is how I feel about the whole thing. You're right. Yeah, 50-50 yeah. contest. But there's not a single fixture at the moment that I'm going to thinking, I think this will be a problem today. You can see how it could develop into a problem. But you know that if Leeds play well and defend well um, and attack well, which they tend to, then they will probably find a way to do it. I think one of the consequences of making it look easy, which Leeds have since the turn of the year, is that people start to make the assumption that it is easy. And so start to sway towards the idea that you've got the best players, you've got the best squad, you've got such deep resources. And I think it's fair to say that there's no way that this squad should be finishing outside the top six. You know, that I think is reasonable to expect that. Nor, that do, that I th- nor do I think we will now. <laughs> uh, no, no, I think that's, that's safe to say. Even even if I say that, we're probably um, we're probably nailed on for that at the, Just at a the mere, very least. a mere 18 points away from seventh. Yeah, surely, surely <laughs> impossible. But I would imagine, Ellen Road is always quite a hostile ground and I would imagine on Friday night it's going to be particularly hostile for, for Leicester. And that's always when Ellen Road is, is at its best. But it hasn't had to be too hostile this season because the games have been quite routine and the, and the victories have been quite routine and, and there's been a lot of confidence in the way that Leeds have played. And the one exception is probably West Brom at home back in August. But that was more about introspection than it was about West Brom. I don't think West Brom would have felt the hostility. I think West Brom would probably have felt like they were rubbernecking on internal strife at Leeds. You know, that was the Do night you think that's what the promotion hangover is, Phil? That that kind of feeling that, that descended on things at that early stage, that very sort of first weekend of the season, first month. Rele- relegation hangover. Yeah. yeah I, now, now I look back on I, it, that's how I feel like it was because now I feel, quite, I feel quite free, like I'm enjoying myself, whereas that felt like a real burden and an emotional grind. But I don't think... I don't think it was purely just the hangover from having getting having got relegated. Although obviously everything everything's intertwined, but it was also the you know the the product of players trying to force their way out and commitment being questionable um, in certain pockets of the squad, wondering whether or not you were actually going to be able to get a squad together that was going to compete properly. There were times in August where I was thinking to myself, "He might need two stabs at this, Farker." 
you know, it's not to say that they won't be. And I think I predicted sixth right before a, a ball was kicked and before they'd, they'd signed the players that they did towards the back end of the window. But it felt as if the top two would be asking quite a lot, not necessarily impossible. And if you're in the playoffs, then there's every chance that you get, you know, you get smoked at some point. And I was just thinking, you know, maybe he will need an extended period of time with this. So, yeah, obviously, like it's the kind of lingering annoyance of relegation. But I think that was more to do with the politics of what was happening. And particularly on that evening, you'll remember the banner in the East Stand, which weirdly was produced by the guy who's plastered every room in my house as it happened. But that was the night where Nonto, you know, Nonto had asked not to play you know, at home. And there was a lot of frustration over that. And there was actually quite a lot of sort of circling the wagons and that thing that Leeds do very well of saying, we're not having this. And I think Farker felt it that night. I think it was kind of good for, good for everybody. It was a bit of a line in the sand. But it was a difficult start. It was a difficult start. And, and although it's been made to look easy, it hasn't been particularly easy. And it's quite interesting, I thought, a few weeks ago when without really very much prompting, Farker started talking about the Bielsa season and the comparison between the points they have now what they're trending towards and, and where they, they were comparatively um, in the season under Bielsa. And what he was saying was, we've got more points per game at the moment than, than they had back then. And when you start to compare the numbers, and as I say, it does have a stronger squad, there's no question about that, but really, really impressive, really yeah. impressive. And defensively, especially, actually. That's the thing I was struck by the thought last night, that if you'd said to me at the start of the season in August, with the, the sort of chaos that unfolded, the instability, after 33 match weeks, you will be second in the table with 69 points. I would have gone, yeah, that sounds bloody great. And you, I, and you would have said... That's what prompted the thought of Farker having done a really good job. You would have said, in that case, we'd be virtually promoted. And in most seasons, you would have been right. But this season has just been a complete freak with the way that it's going for the, the top four. So it's still wide open and it will be wide open even more so if Leeds win on Friday night and Southampton and Ipswich pick up points. It will be very, very tight for the, the spread of, of the four clubs there. But, you know, we've spoken a, a few times through the season about the feeling that Farker's football isn't necessarily the most exciting and it certainly isn't as all-out all attack as, as Bielsa's was. Um, they don't have the same kind of licence to just go at it constantly. The sort of positive aspect of that, the way he sets up, you know, so the kind of sitting midfielder um, who lets his fullbacks get forward. Um, and I know it's a kind of 4-2-3-1, but you do tend to find with the midfielders that you've got somebody like Kamara who's pushing on for the forward, somebody like Ampadu or Gruev who, who is sitting. It, it's meant that the, the defensive record has been exceptionally strong and one of the big failings in the Premier League last season was the number of big chances. I mean, obviously conceded a lot of goals, Leeds, but the problem was that they gave away so many big chances that they were always going to concede a lot of goals. I think it was 112 in the end at over 38 games. It's just a joke, you know, like you cannot get away with that or you're not likely to get away with that. But Jesse said it it was all fine. Yeah, apparently. So I didn't watch Monday night, actually. Um, I was out with a few um, a few people from our, our office. But I assume he said the right things. He said the right things. Mm. This season, 31 big chances. And I get that it's a different league. And I get that we've swung from Leeds being weaker than most sides in the Premier League to Leeds being stronger than most sides in the Championship. So naturally, there's going to be a, a difference. But that's by far and away the best record in the Championship. And once you start to pick through all the different metrics, you find that Leeds are pretty much leading on all of them. Hopefully, we will lead on the table metric. That's the yes. one I'd like us to lead on. Well, that's what matters in the end, isn't it? It but, really is. Phil. But you tend to find that one very often leads to the other. This is the first time with, what, fifth, uh, sorry, 13 games. 13 games to go. It's over in 10 weeks. Dear God. With 13 games to I go. I can't believe that, actually. I know. It's, it's, cr- it's crazy, yeah. isn't it? 
I'm thinking, even if we do have a little wobble, if we lose a game here or there, we've seen what this team's capable of doing over a slightly longer stretch. No need, there's no need to panic. And, I, and while Leeds fans, you know, are sort of prone towards extreme reactions, because it's because of the, the mad shit we've done over the last 20 years that has kind of damaged us all, I think, a great deal. There's probably a sort of low-level underlying confidence that even if there is a, a minor wobble, that they can correct it quite quickly this season. And that's one thing I really um, trust Farker to do, is to not let things get completely out of hand in that regard. So even if Friday brings a point or whatever, there's still a lot of football to play between now and the end of the season. Save, it, save, save that audio, Michael. No need to panic. I, but no, I, I stand by it. That, like, and as you say, even if we don't do it this season, we will still have racked up a tremendous amount of points yeah. in, in the bid to do so. And if and do you know what? If, if two teams outscore us, then fair enough. A draw, a draw would be a really good result on Friday. Yeah. Um, I don't. Nobody wants to draw that game, but I don't think anybody would come away from it saying, well, that's intensely damaging. We were chatting last night about Hull, weren't we, and saying they're quite a good team, Hull. Um, they really are. Like, I think... Of our, our remaining fixtures, that's one I'm keeping an eye on that. Well, not only that one, but also I think Watford, Good Friday away, Hull um, at home, Easter Monday, that's it. They would that, say Easter's definitive, don't they? So. Well, it, it certainly could be. And I think looking through the games, taking out probably Southampton on the last day, that looks like the toughest patch or the, the, the sort of toughest moment of them. There are a lot of games in there that I would fancy leads to, to win. But that'll be, that'll be a hard weekend, that. Uh, Southampton have got to travel to the all the top three clubs away before the end of the season. They don't have a great record against the top side. They either. don't, do they? That's the thing is that you look at it and the, you look at the evidence and I don't know, like say you, you spend this time sort of denying what your eyes tell you, don't you? Because you don't want to commit to a position. Think. Well, and, and in, interestingly, they're the only team this season that have really given Leeds a rinse in, aren't they? Yeah. Southampton. Um, very, that, different, very different defence that day. Yeah, though. it, it and, was. And yeah. A, a cha- I was going to say, it's very changed, wasn't it? Deliberately changed, which is something that he's actually shied away from since it felt like he took the data from that Southampton game and from the Stoke game and went, do you know what? I'm not going to be doing that again because I've tried it twice and it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. And that was the only day where he sort of purposely left out Rodon as well, which was clearly, clearly a bad move because he's been, you know, he's been a really big reason actually why they've been so good defensively because he is in that modern mould of, of centre-back who can do defensive things but can do what you need them to do on the ball and also as we've seen so many times has the pace to hold the, the high line which again in, in a centre-back is absolutely critical these days Yeah, Southampton still also have to play uh, at home Coventry they've got Preston Sunderland and Watford all uh, of whom are in the top half they also need to play Middlesbrough who are floating around the middle uh, and then there are other three away games are Cardiff, Birmingham and Blackburn as well as the uh, yeah the top three, so that's that's fascinating. I know Ipswich is running, looks like it eases for a little bit now, um, but then gets really hard towards the end because again they're they're involved in these kind of top fixtures that could swing either way. And that's one of the good things actually. If you look at our fixtures, we've got obviously Leicester this Friday, and then we've got Southampton at the end. But in between, we're not playing any of the top clubs. There's no real six pointers in there, is there? Whereas there's a few more for uh, for the other teams. No, there's that little spell um, actually after Watford and Hull. Coventry, it's Sunderland, it's Blackburn, it's Middlesbrough. It's not that easy. It doesn't look wildly difficult either, but I think, how best to put it, it's definitely a run that will keep you honest, that, isn't it? Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Attention turning to to Friday then and... uh... It almost needs no build-up, does it? They got a bit upset in Leicester, didn't they? Did they? With my tweets, yeah. It just, just goes to show it's not just in Leeds. Yeah. What, what have you been doing now? Oh, no, no, it was after the game. I sort of said, I kind of um, rather boldly, stroke rashly suggested that Leeds had deserved to win that game. Right. Oh, um, oh you mean the, the away yeah. game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably yeah. Click, clickbait journalist. That's right, hey, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, of course, yeah. that's when we, yeah, we rolled out the title, yeah. clickbait yeah. journalist. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you were right. We did deserve to win that game. Well, I, I thought the... They were handy, the, weren't I they? I thought but... the superior intensity in that game came from Leeds. And I didn't think Leicester were able to figure Leeds out. I thought of the two teams, Leeds deserved the win. And the world, obviously, there was the shot off the crossbar. There was the late say, um, save, excellent save from Melly from Dewsbury Hall. But I thought I thought it was Leeds night, generally. Yeah. I thought it was a big statement as well to go there and do that, given how you know how good Leicester had been. I thought it was was pretty impressive. And I think it... I think it will come down to that again on Friday. I think whoever plays better, and I know it sounds obvious, but I think whoever plays better on Friday will win the game. I, I, I think that's how it will go. Yeah, every every big test that's been put in our way this season, we've passed. It's been the ones that you haven't expected us to necessarily wobble on, that we've wobbled. Yeah, but I think, as Farkas said a few times, you can't go unbeaten in the Championship. It's just not possible. You know, it's too hard and it's too... It's, it's too many teams, yeah, I guess. Too, yeah. too many games, too congested a schedule in, in certain periods. And because of that, you, as a coach, you sometimes have to make changes that you wouldn't particularly want to make or players who you rely on really heavily have spells where the form dips because they're a bit fatigued or it's a, it just gets on top of them briefly. I think to look at Gruyere, you know, Gruyere Groif, I think Groif we've settled on, haven't we? Johan Groif. To look at him now, you can see how they would have won that Stoke game had you had him in this form back then. But he was coming into the game completely cold, you know, he hadn't had any sort of lead up to it. He hadn't had much in the way of minutes. So it, it kind of put Leeds at, at risk that night. But even on that evening, he had the Bamford penalty. I was going to say, we were, we were one penalty yeah, this way from winning that, weren't that's we? It. Was know, he alongside um, Ampadu that night as well? I think. He, well, he, he must have been, yeah, yeah. given that Ampadu <laughs> never gets dropped ever. And and I think Farker has since said, and I would agree with this, that they're almost a bit too similar. Them, You end up with kind of two holding midfielders, which you don't really need. Whereas with Kamara and Gray, who hasn't played in midfield for a good while now, or not started in midfield for a good while now, you almost create a midfielder in behind the midfielder um, and you get a bit more presence going forward, which um, which helps and, and is is a positive thing. But it has been, Michael touched on this and, and you're right, it's been a theme since the turn of the year of players on the fringes coming into contention or coming back into form like Nonto. And, you know, you've got Dan James back fit, but I just don't see how how or why Farker would drop Nonto at the moment. We were sent a question actually um, about Archie Gray. Have a listen to this. I'm just wondering about Archie Gray. He's played the majority of the season at right back. Do you think his future will be at right back going forwards or do you think 
that next season we will try him again in central midfield. Obviously, he's played really well at right back, but if he's applying his trade there and playing the majority of the games there, will that hinder his development as a central midfielder? Cheers. Thanks to Vivek for that one. What do you reckon? Good question, that. Really good question. Well, the fullback role's changing, isn't it? And you, you're almost now starting to get, you see, like with Alexander Arnold and, and others, you're starting to get almost like hybrid fullbacks who are a bit like midfielders too. So it's perhaps not a coincidence that Gray is A, getting used there. And I know he has played there with, with England as well, but he, is, he has been a central midfielder um, through his time in the academy. But maybe not a coincidence that he's getting played there because of the way that that, that position is developing. But it, I think to be brutally honest, his passing and his vision and everything else is a bit too good. For, and I just can't see anything other than him being a central midfielder long term. But it was it was one of those things when they were looking for a right back in the January window, they were very, I remember somebody at the club saying this, they, they were very conscious of not wanting, of, of wanting a good right back. Um, and they got Connor Roberts, who is a very good right back, but not wanting that to immediately compromise Gray's minutes. They still wanted Gray to be in the team and they still wanted him to be playing. And actually, if anything, he's got better since Roberts has come in. So it's made it impossible for Farker to... It would have to be a, a fitness thing at the moment to um, to get Roberts into the team. And given how well Cruyff is playing in the centre, given how well Ampadu's doing at centre-back, but the fact that Ampadu would be you know the automatic go-to to shift back in that into that role, and given that Kamara is so reliable as well. I mean, Kamara is so good under pressure. You know, when he when he's facing the press and he's got people on him, he's so press-resistant. It's, it's really impressive. But yeah, for now, I, I don't think they would want to move Gray out of that role. But I just don't see how... It feels a little bit like, even if Haaland was doing quite well on the left wing, you'd be saying, yeah, but, you know, get him in the middle. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like there's going to come a point where you absolutely have to invest in the best of Gray uh, and, you know, in, in what is his best position. And that seems to me to be in the centre of midfield. I just feel like for now, after a year of watching Rasmus Christensen... <laughs> And and a, and a a fading Luke Ayling trying to play right back. It's just a joy watching Gray and like his level of composure against how much did we pay for Christensen? Twelve million, about ten million pounds. Yeah, an experienced, apparently seasoned international right back. I, I've got a, I've got a picture in my mind of what you're thinking of now. <laughs> it's him punting the ball that, down that yeah. one up the line, yeah. and that thing where somehow a small winger beats him to a header as well. Yeah, it, well, also you know that pass to um, Nonto for the goal down at Swansea from Gray, which is just like sees it, picks it, plays it perfectly. You just will not get that from Christensen. And I don't think you're going to get that from Christensen. No, no. It's mad, isn't it? You spend £10 million on a footballer and you've got one who can't really pick a pass on the evidence that we saw so far. Maybe he can, and maybe just, I don't know, something yeah, to do with you know the change of country and conditions or whatever. But you start to see, don't you, over time, that what, what sets apart really, really, truly good footballers from the not-so-good ones. And it is its decision-making and the ability to wait a pass. I know a lot of players develop over time and you know some people aren't complete footballers till they've been in the in the 20s but it feels like the really really good ones the Fab Delph Lewis Cook Archie Gray you see them as teenagers and you go straight away you go like yeah yeah, yeah look at them yeah it's it's all it's always it's just evidence it's like you, can, you can just see yeah. in, in the way that they they carry themselves on the pitch and their positional sense and just their decision making and stuff it's just it's a cut above what you'd expect at that age. And and even that isn't, you know, it's, it's not a sort of precise judgment that I remember watching A.D. White for the first time. He was like 16 and thinking mm-hmm. he looks exceptional. And his body did let him down in, in a big way. And I think as well, he went through that weird period, didn't he, where he was playing as a right winger, he's playing as a left. Like, couldn't really work out where he was supposed to, Warnock's, supposed to go. Warnock's number 10. But Delph in League One, as soon as Delph started playing, 
you just sat and thought he looks miles above everybody else here. And it's kind of the same the same with Gray. I, I do feel like you could shift Gray into the Premier League and he would just adapt and adjust and he'd have better players around him as well. And you're right, and you do tend to find if you look at Leeds Academy, once players get to 20, 21, 22, if it's not really happening, it doesn't feel like it's going to happen particularly. You, you feel like the best of them will have come through by that point and that's certainly been the case with Gray. Well, it's the Premier League that's up for grabs, isn't it now? And you've got the best home record in the division against the best away record on Friday. He's got so, his table. Oh, here we go. I knew it. Leicester's, Leicester's away form is genuinely a cut above everything else, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I, I did look at that myself. They've yeah. got they've got a very, very good Yeah, record. so they've they've played 16 away and they've got 38 points from it. Ipswich have got, and these everybody, everybody beneath has played 17 games, 32 for Ipswich, 32 for Southampton, 29 for us. Um, so yeah, they've, they're just absolutely stormed the whole thing. Actually, it's, probably, it's probably their away form that's that's won them the league so far. I'm quite I'm quite fascinated by what's going on down there, though. It's not they're not happy, are they? Still, it feels to me as if they're almost opening the door to everybody else by being a bit discontent and and unhappy with what is a, a really strong season. You you sent me a text last weekend, a tweet last weekend after they lost to Middlesbrough, and it was somebody ranting about Maresca. And there was a fair point made in that, or at least there was a, a reasonable point of debate in that, where he was saying, the guy who tweeted was saying, Maresca isn't going to be right for us if we get promoted. I've got uh, it if you want me to read it. Exactly yeah, well, yeah, feel free, yeah. Yeah, so it was, uh, in response to their defeat, whenever it was, uh, it was utter shit. Get Enzo gone <laughs> once we go up. He's not that guy to elevate us to the next level. Tactically inept, no plan B, and awful game management bookmark this comment and come back to it this time next year and you'll all understand where I'm coming from. We'll do that. Um, I know I have done. I have you. Right, excellent. Um, so somebody was once said to me, and it was totally tongue-in-cheek this um, and, and a bit of a joke, um, but they sort of said to me, the first thing any championship side should do the day after they get promoted is sack the manager and get somebody else who's better suited for the, the Premier League. And there are obviously plenty of examples that totally contradict that. I mean, like Thomas Frank at Brentford being a very obvious one, Bielsa in that first season, Premier League season being another but I think if and when Leeds go up, and if it's with Farker, people will say, okay, right, so what he wasn't able to do at Norwich, can he do with Leeds? And, you know, there's kind of fair, fair point of discussion. And I think any time you get promoted, you've absolutely got to be given given the chance. I think around Maresca as well, you know, he hasn't coached um, as a managed first team, you know, as in the main man in the Premier League. So reasonably, if you're sitting watching Leicester's football and you're thinking that they're going to go up, you could start to you know, discuss with your mates or, or debate generally, is this going to work? You know, and, and you always have to bear in mind that you'll get better players in the Premier League, that you will you will sign players. But for now, you think you would sort of suck up the odd defeat to, to Middlesbrough and crack on. I mean, I think Far- when Farker was saying that he's convinced that they'll finish top two, I think what happened to Southampton last night is why he would say that, you know, because it's so difficult for the chasing pack to, to reel in a side who are already on 78 points. You know, it's going to be very difficult for for all of the three teams below or two of the three teams below to, to make that happen. But it was a few weeks ago where I was talking about the piece that Rob Tanner at The Athletic did about the Swansea win, where they seemed to beat Swansea nice and easily. And it was all a bit tetchy and it was all a bit weird, the atmosphere at the ground. And it's odd to see them, odd to see that they're not sort of quietly delighted. Well, I think, this. is it because we as football fans, we all naturally tend to project our thoughts further down the road, I yeah. suppose, because Leeds fans are doing it. Everybody does it, don't they? What what yeah, would happen? F- football demands that. Football's kind yeah. of done that, you know. Yeah, and actually, the the issue is to focus on the immediacy of this season, isn't it? It's the here and now. We need to get out of this division. Then you worry about it. What's what's next? Next, but you can't help but do that because I have 
idled over the thought of, is this style of football sustainable in the Premier League? I tend towards the opinion of thinking, you know what? It probably is because you've got a really effective transitional counter-attack inside with fast players in it, skillful players in it, who are good at dribbling. And I think that can actually take you a long way in the Premier League or certainly far enough up the Premier League that you're not in immediate danger when you contrast it with the approach of some of the like the bottom teams like like Burnley. What Burnley are doing just is baffling to me. Yeah. Trying this this ultra stylish football. I mean, I haven't watched them closely enough to know exactly what it is they're doing, but trying to play this, play the right way in air quotes, um, and yeah. just getting absolutely hammered by far better teams most of the time. That's it. I watch Sheffield United and I think they just generally look poor. And Burnley are not great, but I do think with Burnley there are things that they could do which would not make them so susceptible in games that they have a pretty low chance of winning anyway. I think what really matters is that, particularly if you stick into your style, is that when you go up, you elevate individual positions and you invest properly and you make sure that you do have a much stronger team um, on paper, a much stronger lineup than you you got promoted with, without completely gutting the entire the entire thing. And, I and, think, and to sign players who complement the system as well. well. Yeah, we absolutely. Have, if we go up, we have Rasmus Christensen coming back. We have Mark Rocker coming back. We have Brendan Aronson <laughs> coming back. The, the strength's already there. Sorted. Strength and depth. All like new signings. Strength and depth. <laughs> I mean, I do. When when we went down and um, to the Leicester game. I do remember watching them playing out from the back and thinking to myself, the way they were doing it, thinking I could see you running into trouble with this style, this tactical approach pretty quickly. But then you always have to check yourself and say, yeah, but if you sign better players, players who are more capable of that, then perhaps it, it starts to work. And, and the one thing, you know, in, in Farker's favour, aside from anything else, is that, you know, defensively leads are very strong and very solid. You know, even Millie last season conceding a lot of goals because the defence in front of him was was pretty terrible but also his stats were not great you know he was letting in a lot more than, than he should have been whereas he's kind of bang on target this season and that he's like another player who Fark has managed to manage to manage into into better form and he's mm. done that with quite a few people yeah I'm fully aware as well that this all could spectacularly bite me on the arse but uh, you know don't kill me for uh, for being optimistic or, lo- or loosely optimistic about it I know that you know I'm under no illusions that if we were to go up that it's a bottom half finish almost certainly yeah. for your first season back. I know that. And you're going to lose a lot of games just because that's how difficult the Premier League is. It's it's hard to get a win at that level. But I don't know. I'd, I'd go into it with a, far more of a sense of calm and a sense that there's a plan that's not just scattergun. And again, and I'm going back to Victor Otter again here and you know, just signing people that don't necessarily make sense to me. Like when you look back at, for example, the signing of Rodrigo when we went up, knowing that you've got this ultra high output ultra high tempo football this this high pressing a man that you know very clearly to the eye couldn't press in the way that was needed by the system well Tom Wolvel who used to be a stats guy at the Athletic and went on to work for, for Leipzig for a while he did a piece after Rodrigo signed saying it's hard to pin this to Rodrigo individually but where he's coming from Valencia they just do not press at all Like it's just not their style it's not what they do um, they're actually really lax when it comes to pressing in comparison to most La Liga teams let alone Bielsa so it was a definite shift but I also felt there was an issue that you were saying in somebody who quite clearly wanted to play at nine who was being used at, at ten and as things have gone on thankfully given, we don't have that debate anymore given, given, yeah yeah <laughs> and, and never will again yeah um, but given that the alternative at the time was Ollie Watkins they've missed the trick there haven't they yeah I would say so probably, Massively. probably overall but you know I don't even think probably overall yeah, Watkins has been, been brilliant there was a spell though where Watkins wasn't doing as well and you could have made an argument in that first season well maybe Rodrigo's a, a more a more obvious investment I suppose because he's got the proven quality of more Spain's, of num- Spain's number yeah, nine yeah. and all that he's more likely to contribute 
I can't remember when he got that first season, but at the point of signing him, there would have been an argument to say he's much more likely to get you 12 goals this season than Ollie Watkins. Yeah, that's probably true, but not necessarily at 10 rather than, than 9. But I think with Watkins, he had a lot of time on his side and he was he was much younger. And yeah, it is, you know, none of it's none of it's provable at this stage and it could have been that Watkins would have come in and, and that wouldn't have wouldn't have worked either. But there's a lot about Watkins when you watch him that I think Bielsa would have liked. Yes, very much so. Well, let's go back to the here and now then on Friday night and I want a prediction from you. I don't necessarily yeah. want a score prediction from you because yeah. I just want a prediction about what you think the night's going to be like. It's, really... oh, it's going to be it's going to be spicy. Well, Phil said a draw wouldn't be a bad result. If I offered you a draw now or a flip of a coin, are you gambling or are you going to... Uh... Well, it's not a flip of a coin. You can you can take a point now or you can... Play the game. You can play the game. Well, I'm probably just going to play the game because that's what's going to happen. But, <laughs> but I think every, I think everyone plays the game. I don't, yeah. I don't think anyone's yeah. willing is considering yeah. taking a point. I don't want the draw. No, because as we've said before, it's draws in this league that actually that kill you, isn't it? You can afford to lose the odd game, but if you're going for wins in most of them, that's how you get up. Who's um who's under more pressure in this game? Um, marginally leads because they've got the comfort of the of the points gap, haven't they? But it'll be interesting to see how they react. If we win, I, I dare say among the fan base, there'll be that sort of defensive kind of, well, look, there's only 14 games, uh, sorry, 12 games rather left to go. And we've got a, what would it be? Six point gap. It should be enough. And they'd say, well, we're still six points clear. You know, no, 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 kind of thing. Yeah, but and, and fair enough, yeah. But arses would start twitching if we well, got that gap it, down to six. That's, that's what I mean. Do you think a defeat would be more concerning for Leicester or for Leeds? Do you think Leeds could be more philosophical about it than Leicester? To finish the weekend in fourth would feel like a bit of a psychological blow though, Phil. Yeah, I guess it probably would. But you would say that if there was a game in the, the run that's left that Leeds were likely to lose or more likely to lose than most, this is this is the one. That's what you I'm know? saying is that we've, we've developed almost a kind of circumspect attitude towards the league. But then again, actually, if we do lose and we do finish the weekend in fourth, everyone will be shit in their pants. Yeah. When yeah. Did... I know you said don't panic. But no, I, I won't. I'll think, do you know what? There's plenty more football left to go, but it'll, it'll make me feel like shit over the weekend because Leeds United can do that. But I still have enough hope with the respective runnings that all the teams have got that we've got enough in us to see us over the line. Well, the but, best idea would be to win this, wouldn't it? Yeah. When did yeah, Fak say we can't look at the table? It sort of, shifts the goalpost slightly, but I think from 40 games onwards, he's quite happy for people to look at the table. Yeah. Okay, okay ages to go then. <laughs> It, mate, it's only it's only ten week, ten weeks. Ten weeks, been round in no time. Ten weeks, and all this is over, and then we can start to worry about. Well, if we don't go up, it's it's well, it's first of all, it's the playoffs that we can worry about mm. in ten weeks, and then second of all, if we don't go up in the playoffs, who we're going to have to sell, or if we do go up, well, this side's not going to be good enough to stay up, so we can start to worry about who we need to buy then. But this thing that from him about get twenty six wins, get two points a game, and then kind of go from there. It's kind of worked for him so far, hasn't it? Of just you know, kind of letting that tick over um, and not getting too engaged in what's happening with other clubs which must be quite difficult at the moment because it is so like you said you know if someone had said to you 69 points after 33 games you would say well that's automatic promotion that isn't it that's where it's going to go but even Leicester 78 points from 33 games can't be 100% certain yet can they <laughs> no. I mean I do think they're going up I yeah. just can't see how it, how it won't happen from here and part of the reason for that is that not everybody behind them is going to win every game. You know, they they will drop points, but so will um, everybody else. And they have that cushion, which should be should be enough for them. Uh, for them, but it will get very interesting if Leeds win on Friday. What we'll say is, I'm I'm captivated by the idea, and it's what I was touching on in the the previous show. I'm captivated by the the idea of having something to celebrate this time because we were denied last time. I feel like we've got that one. It, it's in the bank. It's waiting. 
to be to you be deserve it. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, <fair enough. laughs> I deserve to have a nice time, and that's what I'm holding on to. <laughs> right, we'll wrap the show up there. Congratulations on your uh, villain of the week award that will almost Thank certainly you very much. be bestowed. Is it still the Ken Boots? It is, yeah. Is it? yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. haven't recorded that show yet, but it will come out probably before this one comes out. Ah, but we're recording it after this, but I'm almost certain you will get that. So Yeah, I can't, can't see anything happening in the next, what, five or six hours that will, <laughs> no. that will change that. God, no. Cheers, Phil, Michael. Right, we will get back together after the weekend then, I guess, and uh, see how that one went. Thank and you very much. Enjoy. We'll see you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. 